Folks, we're back here on the fourth floor, joined uh, by Representative David Eastman. You're the you're the kind of holy grail. Everybody was asking me to get a podcast with you. No oh boy, you're pretty popular. Um, so we actually met back in 2008 um, at the Republican State Convention. Remember that? That was my first state convention. Boy, a long time ago. Me too. I got I was really into Ron Paul, and I was like really pumped up, and I didn't know anything about this stuff. And I just knew there was a convention. Like, well, there, was a, there was a district convention first I went to. And then there was a state one, and I went to it. And uh, wasn't treated great, the Ron Paul people. No, I, I remember uh, when um, Sarah Palin got up at that convention and was calling out that the party needed a, a new state chair and, and how exciting everything got at that point. Yeah, no, I mean, I was brand new to it, and I was like, is this normal or is this... I was 20... I guess I was 24. I don't know. I was kind of young. So I was like, wow, this is exciting. And then we all went to that, all the Ron Paul. I don't know if you were down there on the bottom floor. They kind of had like a meeting. Were you, were you there or no? It was all these uh, Ron Paul folks. Gosh, there were so many meetings. Uh, I don't think we slept much uh, those three days the, between what Joe Miller was doing and Sarah Palin and Randy Rudrick. And there, there was, was like the busy, there, busy. There was like the walkout uh, plan and it got pretty, pretty wild. But anyway, so you um, kind of, we both stayed involved. I ran. 2012 and for Senate, but you ran in, I guess, 14, right? Or 16? No, I ran in 2012 for Senate also. And then, uh, in 16 for house. I forgot about that. Okay. I forgot you ran for the, I forgot about that. We both ran in 2012. Um, and then you, you ran against Wes Keller, right? In 2016, uh, Wes was the incumbent. There was also, um, uh, Mr. Menard was on the list and, uh, Mr. Wright. So there were four of us on the, the primary ballot. I remember this, uh, I think it was a debate or something where kind of Wes was like, uh, yeah, I don't know what you're doing and, you know, uh, I'm going to win anyway, so thanks. Remember that? Yeah, I remember that. And That, uh, that didn't go over real well. Yeah, so what do you, because Wes was, had been there for a long time and people kind of knew him and he's pretty conservative. What do you attribute um, your, your win to in that race? You know, when, when I started, you know, trying to reach out to my legislator, <clears throat> I had a real tough time um, making contact and that was discouraging on a number of levels since we knew each other personally and gone to the same church for a number of years and only lived about a mile and a half from each other so i think i just attribute um uh most folks when they win in elections because they're able to make contact with uh their constituents and just going door to door i i didn't run into a whole lot of people that knew who our legislator was or or had you know been in contact it's funny i was doing a podcast with somebody recently i won't say who or legislator but Somebody in your um, in your caucus, and they went to their legislator at the time to ask about some uh, some some public use area. I'm not sure exactly, but they uh, the person basically said, oh, "I'm I'm busy," and uh, then they said, "Well, if you're busy, then I'm going to run again," and, and, and they won. <laughs> it, it can happen. Uh, I think there were really only two uh, political issues in my campaign that year. One was uh, SB 91 because my my legislator was you know, one of the champions of SB 91 in the House, and I was opposed to it when it was going through that process. And uh, and then it was the budget. I was for a sustainable budget, and uh, uh, my my <laughs> legislator had voted for a whole lot of budgets that weren't. Mm-hmm. So um, go back a bit. You came to um, Alaska in the military, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Army sent me up here as my first assignment after the Academy. And you went to West Point? Spent four years uh, at uh, West Point in New York. Wow. So we, we, when were you? What years were you there? Uh, 99 to 2003. Oh, so you were there during 9-11. I was. We were about uh, oh my about an hour's drive. Not not far at all. You were like in school? I mean, you were in, in school when it happened? Yeah. And uh, they they made a point of not canceling any classes that day. So we... We uh, we had a different sort of experience on that day than a lot of other people. Oh wow, jeez, that's uh, that's wild. Um, One of my we- classmates had decided because you get your first two years at West Point for free, and then you can uh, then you can leave the military and take your credits to a civilian college if you want to, and they don't make you you know pay for any of that. Oh really? Uh, I didn't once, know that. It's once you start your first day of classes on your third year that you're locked into the military for you know, basically 12 years total. And uh, 9-11 happened right at that time. So I had uh, classmates who had decided that the military wasn't for them. They were going to leave the academy. Of course, it takes you a couple weeks to leave the military. So they were still here with me. So, I mean, I had had one of them, one of my friends, uh, just sitting with me as we watched the towers go down from my, my dorm room. You could see, you could. S- you could see him? Well, no, just watching him oh, on from TV. TV. Okay. Um, yeah, you, you couldn't see him from West Point, but you could climb a mountain and, and see into the city. And um, if, if uh, you know, we had, had not made different, you know, if we made different decisions, uh, you know, we might have been going the same route, but we're realizing that, you know, the next 10 years of my life were going to be very, very different than the next 10 years of her life. Um, and, and it all changed in, in an instant. Wow. So. Yeah, because West Point. I mean, that's how far is that from? I mean, you can see it from a hill, or you can't. You, you can't see much, but I'm just saying that you know it's it's close enough close to where you can you can hop on the train at West Point and get there in, in less than an hour. So you um, ended up going. You were in Afghanistan, right? You spent a year in Afghanistan. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so you come back and then you you run for office and you win. Um, you mentioned SB ninety one earlier. Right now, the crime we're in the special session. Um, it's day 122, I guess. I'm going home tonight. But the crime seems, that's one of the calls or in this session is the crime. And I guess it sounds like they kind of have a deal. Um, and they're going to come back Monday and have a vote in the House. Is yep. that kind of what you're hearing? or? Well, um, I'm hearing a lot of different things. I think we won't do anything until Monday afternoon, 3 o'clock. And then we'll be chatting about the conference committee and what they've come up with. So uh, I think one of the things you're known for um, is voting no a lot. Um, on different things. Is that, I know there's different votes there, but is it some of it ideological or is some of it um, kind of process, I mean, process or what's uh Well, I think my, you know, expectations um, pretty straightforward. If it's going to help the people of my district and it's going to help Alaska in the long term, then it's going to get my support. And if, uh, if there aren't any reasons for uh, whatever it is we're voting on that's going to do those two things, and it's probably not going to get my support. And honestly, there's a lot of silly, stupid things that we vote on. And and I'm not comfortable putting my you know district's vote on the line for something that isn't going to work um, and that may not be um, straightforward and honest with the people. I have to say, kind of like uh, Ron Paul back then, he, he, he was very consistent. He was very... And if kind of his role or view of role of government, it was always very consistent on the votes he took. That's very true. He was uh, in Congress for a long, long time. Uh, so the other issue is the permanent fund dividend. And, you know, the S- Senate seems to be kind of torn on that, the majority. 
Um, you're a, I think you're a full dividend guy, right? Is that? Yeah, my district's been very supportive of the dividend. And you also mentioned the budget. Um, you know, there was kind of a long process with the governor's proposal and then the House and Senate. And um, yeah, you're right. A lot of folks voted on huge budgets in the past and were running pretty low on money. What, I mean, what, what do you... What do you think what came out of the House? It was a lot you know, different than what the governor proposed. Oh, I, I think the House has done more of not talking about the important issues this year than, than talking about them. So I know the Senate's done a better job in that respect. I don't necessarily agree with all the conclusions they've come to, but, uh, but they've certainly done a better job of actually inviting the people into the process, taking public testimony, and letting legislators know what it is that they're voting on before you know, plopping it on their desk and then making them vote. So um, kudos to the Senate for that, and uh, the House needs to do better. So you um, you were here for 2017 with, it was like 200 and some days of uh, sessions. Uh, this is my first time being in Juneau for the session, and now it's a special session. This kind of feels to me, I mean, I'm here and people are kind of packing up and some folks are going home for the weekend for, for graduations, but is this kind of normal how, how it is right now or for a special set? Because it seems kind of like very quiet here right now in the building. Um, well, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, that's been true for a good chunk of the last 122 days. There's been a lot of things not going on. And so I think you'll see that continue here in, in special sessions, however many of them there, there are. And of course, in 2017, we were here for 211 days and, and there was a lot of quiet days during those 211. Were you here basically for the whole summer? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, we were here all, all four sessions. All four special sessions plus the regular one. Do you stay? Um, do you have like a, a you stay in a hotel or do you rent an apartment or? Uh, well, I've always had my family with me, so we've always you know rented a place. Yeah, that's the problem. It seems like in the summertime. I mean, I was staying at the Driftwood, and the the rent you know was pretty good deal during the session. But then when the summer comes and the tourists and all that, the rents skyrocket. It seems to be a lot more expensive to be here in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been? So you've been here. What this is your third third term, right? Third year. What's what's been uh. What's some some of the kind of takeaways or maybe some of the things that surprised you or you weren't, you know, when you got in here in the legislature after you got elected that kind of were something that was surprising or something that you didn't expect maybe? Well, you know, I remember back to my, um, let's see, when would that have been? So that would have been my first summer at West Point and just how separate um, that experience was from everything else going on in the world. It, it might have been its own planet because there was no communication, you know, in or out. You're uh, basically out in the woods, you know, learning military um, techniques and practicing riflemanship and all the rest of it. And, and the rest of the world uh, really didn't exist as far as, you know, freshman cadets were concerned. And, you know, there's a similar parallel here. Um, you know, we have some things that are going on in Juneau and, and uh, it seems like it's a separate universe down here. There really seems to be very little connection between what people are talking about and decisions people are making here and what folks back home are talking about and the decisions that uh, they're expecting us to make. Yeah, no, I mean, I, there's some truth to that. I mean, I, I know I, I do my website and I have a lot of friends who are not political. I mean, they don't pay attention, but they're peripherally kind of pay attention. And I go back and, and, and chat with them. And it's, uh, it's like sometimes with the average kind of person thinks or sees going on is so different than what happens in the building it's like a it's like a bubble kind of i guess um so I mean, what do you think about this i guess there's a the crime there's the budget and there's the 
dividend on the special session and the education funding. Um, I mean, do you see this getting wrapped up quickly, or could it be a 30-day thing? Or Well, you know, I heard one legislator was saying that uh, if she has her way, we're going to be here in session every month this year. And um, oh my gosh. frankly, I wouldn't wouldn't be entirely surprised if, you know, that were to happen. It's, <laughs> uh, I think we were, you know, two years ago, we were here in session, I think, nine out of the 12 months uh, for at least part of each of the nine months. So uh, the legislature has gone that route. I hope they don't. I don't think it serves the people well. Uh, but all I've, you know, <laughs> if I was to capture the the session so far in one word at least the experience in the house it would just be you know we have a a body of of government that's just been stonewalling for a good chunk of those 122 days uh and and the most obvious part was the first you know 30 plus days when they literally did nothing um and then the rest of it they you know kind of danced around the edges but uh haven't resolved any of the critical issues that we were sent here to resolve yeah, I was going to ask you about the the first 30 days of the uh, organization. I mean, so, some of the people were talking about, you know, the 21-member the group and then what Rep Knopp kind of said, oh, I don't want to be in that. And um, looking back, I mean, that, that 30 days was pretty – I was here too. It was kind of – everybody was just like – nobody had seen that before. I think the last one was 20, 20 days or something back in the early 80s. Um what are your thoughts about that? I mean, the whole thing, it was just must have been very kind of, for everybody, frustrating. and Well, it was it was historic. You know, I was looking back. Um, the only other case of a legislature doing that in this country or in this century that we could find was California. When they had uh, a similar, similar thing happen in the early 90s. So back in Newt Gingrich and the Republican Revolution days, when the Republicans finally had a majority for the first time, in the state house in California, and and I say first time for you know like forty years or something, first time, and uh, what they did kind of like you know happened here, is they convinced a, a Republican to stick with the Democrat Party machine uh, that had been in in power for decades. So and it was it was really close. The- yeah, it was it was it was one vote difference. Okay, and so you know they had uh, you know in essence you know twenty twenty one though theirs is is larger you know twenty one Republicans, um, but the Democrats were able to convince the twenty first vote in in their body to come over and become the speaker, kind of like uh, Gary Knopp tried to do when he ran for speaker with the support of all the Democrats, and uh, but in California you know they they worked it so that. Uh, actually, my state house rep at the time, and I wasn't, you know, particularly involved in politics, but that was my first introduction to, you know, state legislative politics. Was my state house rep decided to, who was a Republican because it was, you know, very conservative part of the state, decided to be the speaker of the house with the votes of all the Democrats uh, in California, and uh, no surprise, the Republicans in in you know where I lived recalled her. Uh, and then, you know, replaced her with someone else. And, and then that was the first time that the Republicans actually did have. She actually, uh, she actually got like a recall election? Oh, yeah. Was... She was recalled almost immediately. And, um, you know, I think there's only been half a dozen or less, uh, you know, politicians in California state history that have successfully been recalled. Well, she was one of them. And there was actually two legislators that were recalled at that same time. And uh, she was the second turncoat to join the Democrats, be elected as speaker with the votes of the Democrats, um, and both of those legislators were recalled. And at that point, uh, 
Uh, we had the first actual Republican-supported Speaker of the House in California in like 40 years or something. So it was, it was quite the battle. Um, we, you know, here in Alaska, took 30 plus days to to resolve that. Though, really, over 100 when you count that. Usually, those things are resolved, you know, the day after the election. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we we waited 100 plus days after the election before it got resolved here. And um, likewise, in in California, they they dragged it out to I think like day 50 or 51. I think is when they finally elected a Speaker of the House. But but that's the only other time in, in U.S. history, at least this century, that a legislature, you know, delayed in electing a Speaker of the House for, you know, that amount of time. Uh, so you mentioned earlier uh, the, the stonewalling. Is that is that kind of referring to limiting the, the, the debate on some of the um, amendments, some of the bills that have been going the last few months on some of the kind of more high-profile bills? No, I mean, I'm just talking about refusing to make decisions. You know, this this body, the House majority, has refused to make a decision on the dividend for the last 122 days. And every time it's come up for a vote, they have, uh, you know, in essence, cheated so that no one can vote on it. And, and you know, the one thing they can say at the end of it is they haven't voted against the dividend. Uh, and the only reason they haven't is because they've cast other votes to prevent that vote from coming up. So the, the Senate passed the, the budget with a $3,000, essentially a fully funded dividend. And now it's in the the conference committee, and um, like I said, the Senate—it's no secret that they're kind of uh, their majority is split on on the amount, and it's in the conference. I mean, this—I think this is like the one main. I mean, crime seems to be more or less. Sounds like they have a deal on the crime uh, bill, but the dividend seems to be the the one main focus of of all of this. So, do, do you see any? I mean, do you see the Senate? I mean, I, I, I'm just conjecture, but do you see the Senate resolving this? I mean, it's. It's so important to so many people, the full dividend, but then other people, you know, they they want to balance the budget uh, with the permanent fund earnings. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that the, the Democrat majority and, and the Republicans in that majority are, are completely out to lunch when it comes to dividend. Uh, people have asked for, you know, to be able to participate in that. They've asked the legislature to follow the law. Uh, and the House majority has basically thumbed their nose to the people, the governor, and said, you know, hell no, we're not following the law. Uh, by the way, we're not changing it either. And we're not even going to have a vote during 120 days of, of session. So here we are in special session because the House has refused to vote on the matter. Do you think the um, the ethics bill from last year with no budget by the 121 um, and no per diem, will that have an impact on getting this resolved no, quicker than in no, the past? No, I, or? I um, you know, it was pretty clear last year when that was going through that that was a complete, uh, I don't know if red herring is the right word, but, you know, a, a complete distraction from reality. The, uh, the legislature passed that bill knowing that it had, you know, pretty egregious constitutional violations. Uh, so they passed it to, you know, get out from under the threat of a, a ballot petition. Mm-hmm. And once they were, th- you know, out from under that ballot petition, they came back and rewrote the law anyways. And I'm quite certain, and I was, you know, saying this back when the bill was going through, that, you know, there will not be any legislators that don't get per diem, um, you know, whether they pass some, you know, insignificantly small budget of a dollar or whatever, and then say, hey, you know, we passed a budget you know, call us good and then pay themselves per diem or whether they, you know, have a, a few weeks or 
month or two with without per diem and then once it's all said and done retroactively pay yeah, legislators you know either way legislators are going to still get their per that, diem so that's the question and i've asked people about this and like legislative affairs and it seems to be kind of up in the air but but the uh the question of if they don't pass a budget and then they do it in two weeks or four weeks do they get the back pay and and it seems the legislature from what i understand they, they could authorize that for themselves oh yeah which is very ironic if they were to do that because there's the whole dividend back pay issue that's out there, you know, for the previous. So to me, it's like yes. whether you agree or disagree with all that, if they were to do that. Um, well, you I, know, they're they're prioritizing their interests um, first. That's and, a bad, I mean, and that's this a bad, legislature in Juno is, is well known for that. That's a, that, If they were to do that, that, that <laughs> that's a bad look. I mean, yes, it is. You know, especially if it's 10 days, that's 3,000. That's a, that's a dividend, you know. That's, yes, that's it is. a dividend. Um, so... Something else I want to ask you. So you're, you know, it's no secret you're very conservative, and, and, and you're not shy about um, your your conservative uh, beliefs. And some folks in the legislature um, are less conservative or, or you know, progressive. And, oh, sorry. Um, you know, is it is it? Do you feel sometimes the way you're characterized or the way people talk about you? Do you feel it's unfair? Do you feel it's based on your beliefs, or do you feel it's? And what do you? I mean, there's kind of a lot of people. Everybody knows you. Um, do you, do you feel, I mean, how does it you know, kind of feel to deal with some of the stuff that you deal with with some of the legislators and folks who, who kind of are very critical of some of your viewpoints and your beliefs? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. <clears throat> um, I think it was yesterday uh, uh, one of the more, if not the most progressive legislator in, in the House came by and, and was saying, you know, hey, we uh, uh, some folks were, you know, seeing you playing with your, your kids uh, down there on the boardwalk, you know, last night and um, – and it's just great to, to see you doing that and, and seeing that, you know, kind of you're, you're actually human um, because, the, of course, oh the characterization oh in the media is, uh, you know, that, uh, of course, you can't possibly be human and, and, and be conservative and be pro-life and, and, you know, take some of the, the hard stands that I've taken. So, so yeah, the, the media characterization is, is mostly for entertainment and to drive a political agenda, and, and reality is, is usually not quite so entertaining. There's a, I mean, there's a... Does it bother you, or does it just you kind of that's the way it is and accept it? Yeah, well, a little bit of both. Um, you know, if if you've got folks that are um, you know throwing threats your way because of a, a position you've taken, and and they're threatening your family, that that bothers me, uh, and that's yeah, always no, bothered I, me, I, especially when um, you know the the Democrats seem to think that that you know is, is fine, and you should you should be able to criticize someone and and their family and their kids because they're conservative but uh boy if if someone you know says that uh you know maybe someone should steal cars of of legislators or something because they've you know foisted sb91 on on the people um you'll see those same legislators up in arms in a in a moment yeah i remember i remember your, your wife shared something a while back and it was um i think it was like a message it was pretty horrible i mean it was i forget what the specifics of but it was basically a threat wasn't it i mean that was yeah, years yeah ago. I, mean, I remember seeing it on we've received plenty of threats you know i had a friend that you know made it a point i didn't ask them to but made it a point every night to you know check my car for you know somebody tampering with it at night before i went home because there was you know plenty of threats going around and and it's uh unfortunate that we let you know people get away with that there's uh a, a an intense willingness to um to threaten 
and and persecute people based on their political ideology and the you know either the district they represent or or the position they represent in their party and uh, of course if you're liberal and progressive then uh, that's fine yeah well there is you know I, I think the, the outrage culture has become it's just gone so quick you know especially with Twitter and Facebook and something happens and it's just uh, the one thing I've noticed though about this whole outrage and maybe it's different because you're an elected official but for somebody who's not, who gets caught caught up in it, usually in a week, it's all, I mean, everybody in a week or two kind of forgets about it. If it's, whether it's those kids in, you know, D.C. with the hat and the the guy, in the, remember the few months ago, remember that whole deal? Oh, sure do. But, it, um, it's you kinda know. Go, it's kind of gone now. Everybody kind of forgot it. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. To, to some people, it is. Um, I had, a you know, an hour or two with uh, Congressman Palmer last year. And uh, Where's, gets, no, I guess this is a... Uh, just over a year ago, and and he where's was Congress, walking where's, us. Where's he from? Um, so he's from down south, and he was, you know, one of the folks that was, you know, at the ball field when, um, when the the shooter came by and started trying to shoot Republican congressmen, and um, and so he, you know, he spent an hour talking to us about that experience and and what happened and um, Scalise and and you know it was. It was within a hair's breadth of being a, a complete massacre, uh, just a complete massacre. The only way that anyone, you know, of course, you know, being in the D.C. area and gun control and not, the only way that any of the good guys even had, you know, a firearm to fight back was because Scalise happened to be there. And if he happened, you know, if he didn't show up that day, then his personal security wouldn't have been there, be the House leadership, and and there would literally have been no one to fire back. That's right. It was the security that had to, that was with him. The, uh, the and fight, so, you know, you, you <clears throat> went from, you know, one congressman, you know, getting shot and having, you know, critical injuries. Uh, and that was, that was certainly a much better situation than, you know, having, you know, a dozen plus people killed, uh, which could certainly have, have happened. It, it came very close to it. So, you know, certainly for uh, Congressman Palmer, for everyone that was there, for everyone that was connected to everyone that was there, for those of us who watched that happen, um, no, it, it didn't go away a week later. This is stuff that you know you have to live with. You have to realize that these are um, you know I, I kind of I, I kind of meant more of the outrage. Just just somebody does something in the Twitter, or the people freak out and just get mad at them, and they want their they want them fired. Um, I wasn't referring to an actual you know event like that i was sure sure, sure. the outrage somebody does something they don't like it and they they dox them and try to get them fired and they they just and in that ca- in that case a lot of that stuff goes away uh, after a few weeks yeah like the you know the house uh you know someone in the house hiring you know the palin stalker okay that was in the news for a week or two because it was just such an outrageous act yeah, to I, think that someone like that was actually you know being employed in the legislature but but you know they were fired and and uh, i'm not sure exactly how that worked out but I, I, bro- I broke i broke that one yeah well uh thank you for doing that was, i think it was it was good that we you know all knew what was going on there and and hopefully that sort of thing doesn't ever happen again in the future so i guess to wrap up you um you know i, I think you have disagreements with a lot of the legislators but you you've um I've never seen you get angry. I mean, you're very measured. You're 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 always kind of even keeled. Is that hard, or is that to just kind of not get angry? Because if it was me, I mean, I feel like I'd be angry. I mean, I visibly visibly angry. Is that just yeah how you are, or is that just kind of? Well, you know, I I was uh, in law enforcement, in the military for a number of years, and I think you get used to 
you know, doing your best to de-escalate, you know, potentially uh, out of control confrontations. Um, so that that's got to be part of it. Um, but but honestly, you know, when you have uh, people, sometimes otherwise good people, who are are voting to steal from your family and every one of your constituents um, and and write that off as just, you know, the cost of doing business because, you know, some other special interest groups got, you know, something they want to do with uh, the dividend, for example. No, that that's just, that's unacceptable. Uh, and so my position is has been, uh, and every time that vote's come up, that's that's entirely unacceptable. Not willing to go along with that, and and not willing to say, you know, just to to vote to adjourn on Wednesday night. You know, how can I, in good conscience, vote to adjourn when we still have not even permitted the people to to see where their legislators stand on the dividend? No, we owe that to them. So I had to say no. So what's your plan? I mean, you're hanging out here for the se- session. A lot of folks have kind of gone back for the weekend, it seems, and other graduations and things the idea of having you know the legislature in session which is is a tremendously expensive proposition and legislators not even in you know the capital um while that's going on uh, that also it just has never made sense to me um i don't think it's something my constituents would support so while the legislature's in session i'm here uh certainly you know there's town halls those sort of things we go back for um but those are always you know short and i come right back here so that, you know, when it comes time to vote, they have someone here who's going to vote on their behalf. When you go back, what do you, what do you hear from, from your constituents? I mean, are they um, supportive mostly? Are they critical? I mean, is it a mix? Or what, do you, what are you hearing from your well, town halls? Well, your- I'm privileged to have one of the, the largest districts in, this, in the state, politically-wise. Um, you know, my house district is the second largest, so there's a lot of diversity. Uh, I've got folks from all parties, and, you know, I've got some communities that – you know, voted for Hillary Clinton, uh, Talkeetna comes to mind, and and you've got some like Wasilla and others that are, are you know, very, very conservative. So I, I get to talk with constituents and all sorts of the spectrum. That's right. I was going to mention that. Um, when it comes to, you know, you really focusing on your constituents, and, and that's the focus, and some people, you know, I don't think there's any way to criticize that, because when we interviewed you for the ferry story, you had introduced a bill, or maybe it was an amendment, it was a Department of Transportation on a carbon footprint mm-hmm. um, based on if, you know, if it's a ship or a truck or whatever, you have to have like documentation or show, something showing the carbon footprint. And um, I thought to myself, that seems interesting coming. You know, I just didn't expect that to come from you um, for whatever reason. And then you said that was some folks in Talkeetna had asked you for that, right? Sure. Well, I, you know, I think it, it's perfectly reasonable for people to want to know, um, information that the state can provide. So that, that particular bill was simply to make that information publicly available on the Department of Transportation's website. So that folks who are, you know, conscientious about, um, you know, how they travel can have access to that information, can make their decisions accordingly. Yeah, it doesn't require anyone to make a particular decision, but it does give them the information. I, I think that's a positive. You said even uh, even dog musher, dog sleds, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, all, all transportation here in Alaska, and certainly dogs are a part of that. All right, President Eastman, I appreciate you doing the uh, the podcast. I've been trying to get you. A lot of folks are busy. I've been trying to wrap up the last minute ones before I leave. So I appreciate that, and hopefully. You guys aren't here too long. You get wrapped up. You're able to go back and enjoy the summer back in uh, back in Wasilla. Well, I sure hope so. My my family is is looking forward to getting back and, and seeing friends, of course. And uh, wish you a good rest of summer since you're not going to be down here with us, Jeff. All right. Well, thanks, David. And hopefully we can do one of these again in the future. All right. All sounds right, good. Folks, if you have uh, an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast with me, let me know. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Landline.